Welcome to episode four of That Was Paul. At the end of the last episode, I played a news clip from April 4th, 2009. Three Pittsburgh police officers had been shot answering a domestic call in Stanton Heights. One of them was my cousin, Paul Schillow. My name is Bill Garrison, and I remember that day vividly. I remember the moment I heard about it. Everyone in our family keeps that memory locked away somewhere. Even though Paul was a police officer and we knew the threat of violence was always there, this was not something any of us could have ever prepared for. My Aunt Susie recalls what Paul told her one night at dinner. Then about two months before he was killed, Julia was here eating dinner with us. It was me and Max and Paul and Joel, and we're sitting there eating. So then Max gets up to go in the living room, and I got up and... Paul said, Mom, sit down here for a minute. I have to talk to you. So I sat down. Julia was there with us. And I said, what? He said, I have to tell you what's going to happen if something happens to me. I said, Paul, I don't want to hear this. Like, I do not have to listen to this. He said, yes, you do. Sit down. And he told us exactly what was going to happen. Then something happened. Well, every morning I would put the TV on, Bill, because he worked midnight till 8. And I would listen to the news. And if I didn't hear anything, then I would wait for him to call. He'd call me and say, everything's okay. But that morning, I put the TV on and I said, oh, my God. Paul's younger sister, Julia, talks about that morning. I slept over at my parents' house that night because Paul and us, we were going to go out Saturday night. So I slept over and my mother woke me up at 7 o'clock in the morning and said, Julia, put the TV on. There's been a shooting in Stanton Heights. See if you can see Paul. So I had the TV on. I hear shots. Like, I hear hundreds of shots going off. I, I see police officers running. My Uncle Max drove to Stanton Heights to see if he could find out any information. There were police and SWAT teams everywhere, and all the streets were blocked off. My uncle walked up to the barriers and told the officers who he was. They quickly let him through and took him to see the information officer of the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police. From there, they took my uncle to Zone 5, where Paul worked. Back home, things were happening just like Paul said they would. Well, he said, you know, if something would happen to me, they'll come and get you. Paul, I remember when he would come to dinner, he would say, Mom... Don't call the mayor. Don't call the president. Don't call anybody. If something happens to me, they will come to the front door. The officers escorted my Aunt Susie and her daughter Julia to Zone 5. Uncle Max was there waiting. So they rode me to Zone 5, and I met uh, Susie and Julie there, and they were taking us to headquarters. And I told Susie, I said, I I I don't want to tell you this, honey. I said, but... If Paul was okay, they'd be taking us to the hospital, not to, not to the headquarters. Paul's sister, Laura, and her family lived in Virginia at the time, and they were traveling back to Pittsburgh. Laura's husband, Eric, was a member of the Secret Service. This one's hard for me, because we were coming home from spring break, and we were at the gas station in Virginia, and Eric's boss called him and said that there's... Uh, Shooting. A shooting in Pittsburgh, and there might be injuries or, or whatever. And I said, 
that's not going to happen to Paul. That can't happen to Paul. And we're driving, and, and, and you know, all of a sudden, I call my mom. I said, Mom, uh, Eric wants me to call you and see if everything's okay. And she's there, why? And I said, and, and she goes, well, and I said, no, you have to tell me if something, something's wrong. And then, you know, so, that, and it was like four hours of sheer hell driving. I'm sorry for swearing. It was four hours of very, very long ride coming home. And then coming home, and then the house was already filled, so it was just, you didn't have it was just, you know, oh, it was, it was really hard. Our cousin, Beth Shillow, lived just blocks away from the scene. I heard it. I heard the shots that morning, because I lived at that end of Jancy by Stanton Avenue. And uh, I thought, what is that? And then I heard all these sirens, and then my neighbor called and said that they heard that there was a shooting uh, right up the street from us of police officers. And I kept thinking, well, that can't be Paul. He got off already because I knew what time. So I texted him three letters. You okay? She never heard back. And that was it. And then my phone started ringing like everybody was concerned. Everybody was worried. Bethy's brother, Stevie, heard about the shooting and called Paul several times. I called his phone because I knew it was, he was working night turn and that was the end of his shift. And I didn't think anything of it right then, but I called his phone. It went to voicemail, called it again a couple times. Just And then I, I think I called um, Aunt Susie's house and I just said, hey, what's going on? And they said they weren't sure of anything yet. We don't know anything um, involvement-wise or who was there or anything. Um, but I remember I remember just not having a good feeling. Um, you know, because I was thinking in my head, I forget what time it was exactly, but I just remember that, that phone conversation. I remember thinking in my head, you know, I just, I hope nothing, but I just had, a, I just had a bad feeling in my stomach. That feeling was real. And it was real for all of us that day, and for the long days and nights that followed. But the people of Bloomfield, and what seemed like all of Pittsburgh, came together in an amazing show of love and support for my Aunt Susie and Uncle Max, and our whole family. Officer Chip Baker, who was assigned to stand watch over them at the house, describes the constant flow of friends and family and food. You know, people were stopping by the house bringing food. You know, there's businesses sending food down. There was, you know, you know, flags and, you know, when you're driving down the street, people, you know, waving flags. And Pittsburgh kind of came together as a whole on, on, on the days after that. So it was, it was amazing to see. It was beyond anything you could imagine. Our little Paul, our little community, thrust into the national spotlight. Crowds lined the streets for miles as the hearses carrying the three officers drove through the city and its neighborhoods for one last goodbye. The funeral ceremony was held at the Peterson Event Center on the campus of the University of Pittsburgh. It seats over 12,000, and it was filled. I'll never forget the scene driving up there, and neither will Bethy. Oh, driving to the... Uh, Peterson Center 
I have never experienced or seen on TV or in movies anything like that. There were rows and rows of police from all over the United States. I mean, it was just crazy. And, you know, that wasn't Paul, but the family knew that that was a tribute that had to be made to those three. So we just did what we had to do. Beth's brother Stevie spoke at that ceremony in front of thousands of people after having lost the person he loved the most in this world. But I know Paul was at his side. We can only hope to be the type of person Paul was during his time with us. If we could follow in his footsteps and learn from the way he lived, it would be a much brighter world. He has touched us all on many different levels. We will always remember the countless ways that he became part of our lives. Paul, your presence will be missed on this earth and will be every day moving forward by our family. For all the memories you gave us that will keep your spirit alive in our hearts, for all the memories that will give us the courage to face our fears, for all the memories that will give us the strength to pursue our dreams, for all the memories that only someone like you could give, you are my hero, Paul, a hero to us all. My Aunt Susie, who doesn't even drive, who walks to church and to the grocery store and would be completely happy if she never had to leave Bloomfield, I can see her now in my mind, surrounded that day by throngs of people. And I couldn't imagine how she found the strength to go through it all. Oh, it overwhelms you. It completely overwhelms you. Completely. Like you're just standing there and it's like you're, you're really not there. You know, it's like you're somewhere else. Like you, we when we went over to the Peterson Center, in the process, we look up and there's sharpshooters on the roof. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness, what the heck is going on here? Police everywhere. You see bobbies from England. You see peace from, or pe- police officers from all over the, the world are coming for your son and, you know, Eric Kelly and Stephen Maley. You're standing there and you're saying, what is this? Like, what is going on? Paul's sisters, Julia and Laura, describe how they felt in the days and weeks that followed Paul's death. It's like you you elevate your, your thoughts. I elevated my thoughts out of my body. So I was in shock from that moment on. And then we came home and my parents had to go to the convention center. So I greeted people at the house. Some people came to the house. But it was, it, it was, it was surreal. It was it like was. a nightmare. Mm-hmm. A nightmare that was actually true. Yeah. Because you do see it on TV and you feel you have empathy, but you don't know that you have empathy until you experience it. And then you know what real empathy is for yeah. people who, I mean, it's changed everything the way I see different things now because you know that those people how they're suffering for real like empathy is is a different is different from from what I used to experience we are all different because of that day but one thing will never change and that's the joy and laughter we feel when we remember Paul not for the way he died but for the way he lived I think we look now more about his life than than his death. death. 
So for for a while, it was you you thought about how terrible and sad, but now you, the focus we try to focus on how funny and and wonderful, and you look at more of his life versus the, his death. And we remember his smile. He was here the night before he was killed, and I'll never forget his smile when he was walking out. Like he was walking out, and we always said, we love you, Paul. Yep. And he always said We'd it back. We'd walk him to the door. And he'd give us, you know, give me a kiss and God, and that smile when he was getting in the car. I said, oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. I'll never forget that smile on his face because he was truly, he found his calling. Officer Keith Miles won't forget that smile either. And uh, his beautiful smile, I just remember it. Even when we passed each other, hey, what's up, bro? What's up, brother? And that was it. Just a beautiful smile and hello, hi. That kind of reassurance that everything was going to be okay. And just keep it moving from there, you know. So, yeah, real good dude. Real good dude. This was about Paul's life. Like, we're still going on with Paul's life by telling stories about him. So in other words, Billy, Paul's still really alive. I guess, you know, when people quit talking about Paul, but as far as right at this moment, he's living. And sometimes we tell so many stories about him. I actually do tell people just get up and leave and we'll never be offended because as long as you're listening, we're talking. I saw many sides of my cousin Paul as we were growing up and during all the occasions our families got together. But these stories revealed things about him that I didn't know much about. How truly strong of a person he was. The way he treated people the same, whether he was in uniform or out of uniform. Like this story my Uncle Max told that showed Paul's true character. When we were down, uh, we went to uh, CrossFit gym. They were, they were having an exercise with Paul, because Paul belonged to CrossFit gym. And so they were making an exercise going uh, countrywide for his badge number, 4179. So when we went, uh, we went down to a CrossFit gym. And while we were down there, a kid came up to us. A young man came up to us. And he said, Mr. Bishop Schiller, he said, I have, uh, I have something I just have to tell you and get off my chest. He said, I was Paul's teacher when he first got on, we were working the Hill District together. And he said, we had a call. And uh, when we when we went and went with a call, the, the gentleman was a little slow. And and his speech, he had like an impediment, speech impediment. And, but he was slow, and you could tell he was slow. And he said, and our backup came, and our backup was jagging the guy. And Paul said, he interrupted. He said, okay, fellas, that's it. Me and, I don't know, I forgot his name. He said, me and so-and-so, we'll take it from here. You guys can leave. And he said, you know, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Schiller, he said, I should have said that. I was teaching Paul. He said, that day I became a better police officer because of your son. We are all better in some way because of Paul. And we are still taking lessons from him. He's telling us to have the courage to speak up for someone in need, 
or go out of your way to give someone the benefit of the doubt. In the next episode of That Was Paul, we will tell more stories like this and talk about the incredible tributes that continue to this day. Thank you for listening. There are so many people to thank for making this podcast a possibility. My Aunt Susie and Uncle Max for hooking up the microphone to their computer all by themselves and doing these interviews remotely during a pandemic. Michael Sork for his expertise in recording the interviews germ-free. Paul's lovely and beautiful sisters, Laura and Julia. Stevie Shillow, also lovely and beautiful. Lieutenant Chip Baker of the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, who is now part of the family whether he likes it or not. Amy Garrison for jumping back into her broadcast producer days to keep everything on track. Dave Hughes for his sage advice and design. Vince Robledo and Ben Pritchard of Garrison Hughes Advertising for the transcriptions and web development. And to Jay Green and Big Science Music, not just for editing, mixing, and producing this for Big Science Pods, but for believing in it and putting their hearts into it. Finally, thank you, Paul, for making a difference in our lives.